On this episode of the AC Sports Report, we have Dr. Daryl Pope. Dr. Pope is the Director of Athletics at Baltimore City Community College. This is Connor Newcomb from the Locked On Orioles podcast. For athletes of all types, both on and off the field, the Sports Medicine Institute at LifeBridge Health is a game changer. Led by board-certified physicians using state-of-the-art equipment, the Sports Medicine Institute at LifeBridge Health will have you back to what you love. To learn more, go to www.lifebridgehealth.org slash sportsmedicine or call 410-870-7940. If you've been looking for someone that talks about youth sports in the DMV, from basketball to football, volleyball, soccer, lacrosse, baseball, and softball, you've found it. We are the authority. This is the AC Sports Report. There's a thriving community of youth sports in the DMV, and we cover it all. From interviews to game reports to players scouting, public and private schools, and we even cover the college recruiting process. This is the AC Sports Report, and here's your host, John Miller. Dr. Pope, thanks for being on the podcast. I really appreciate your time, sir. Thank you for having me. So I usually start the podcast with a little little banter, a little preamble about how tricky it is to find my studio. Uh, we're actually not in it. We're less than a mile away. My studio is in uh, Hamden. I guess it's about a mile away, but we are on the campus of Baltimore City Community College. Uh, nice place you got here, sir. Thank you. So you can tell it's an older facility, uh, but it looks like it's well-kept and maintained. Uh, we appreciate you being here. I tend to jump right into what's going on now, but my listeners like to hear a little bit about the people I'm interviewing, about you, Dr. Pope. Can you tell us, did you play sports in high school, sir? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I played tennis. Tennis. I think you're my first tennis player on the podcast. This is a, a middle of my second year of the podcast, and I've had basketball players, baseball players, soccer players. Tennis. Nice job. Were you any good? Uh, I was fairly good. I was, I was, a, I was a good player. I think you're being modest, Dr. Pope. I think you told me after high school you went on to play in college. Can you tell us where you went to college, sir? Howard University. What's the mascot down there? The bison. So I don't know if you want to share when you went to uh, college, sir. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not bothered by numbers. Um, uh, I, was, I arrived at Howard in 81. Uh, and you finished your undergrad there. You played some tennis, but you played a little more tennis after college. Yes, sir? Yeah, I played some some professional tournaments on the satellite circuit. Very good. Uh, how was your experience at Howard playing tennis? Was it a positive one, negative one? I, I guess it would be a little unfair to say it was a negative one. Can you share a little bit about being a college uh, tennis player at Howard back in the eighties? Um, it was a good good experience. I mean, you get to travel, you meet people from different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Um, then you get to travel to other schools and other parts of the country um, and see things differently in terms of how people um, live. Um, and uh, it's a growing experience. I mean, you, you learn a lot. Um, uh, there's a lot of networking that, that can take place that could um, help you down the road. Uh, so I'd say it was a positive experience. Now, Howard's in D.C., mm-hmm. but you didn't grow up in D.C., did you, sir? No, Chicago's home. And you said, I think you told me you were a scholarship athlete at Howard? Yes. I'm, I'm guessing there was some kind of recruiting process. I can't imagine they jumped on the Internet to, to find your games back No, there then. was no Internet at that time. <laughs> was there no. tape where you recruited? How, how does a guy from Chicago end up uh, a scholarship athlete in D.C.? 
Um, there were some student athletes already on the team at Howard who were from Chicago who had mentioned me to the coach who knew of me. They were obviously older. Um, and they contacted me because of those, uh, I guess, referrals. Nice. After college was a little bit of prose, but you went on to continue your education. You told me you've got a master's and a PhD. Can you share a little bit about those two degrees? Um, I left Howard. Uh, like I said, I played a little bit on the pro circuit, then went back to um, school at Grambling State University in Louisiana to get my master's in sports administration. Um, then I worked um, in, went back home to Chicago, worked for a few years. Then I uh, decided to go back and work on my doctorate um, at uh, Temple University in Philadelphia. And um, that's, that doctorate's in uh, sport um, management and leisure studies. Interesting. So I don't think I asked what your undergrad major was at Howard. Do you remember? Uh, yeah, it was uh, communications management. Okay, so kind of in line with what you're doing. I'm, I'm guessing a director of athletics needs to be able to communicate and manage that process a bit. Well, communications is, you know, is sort of a generic um, touch-all, I guess is one way to put it. There's not a field or an area in business um, where someone with those that skill set is not needed. You know, you need to be able to communicate and how you do it and the way you do it is, is important. So it is, that is. So could you imagine in high school playing tennis thinking, you know, a few years later, you'll be the director of athletic with a PhD in Baltimore. How'd you, I mean, Chicago to Baltimore, it was quite the journey. Yeah, there was no expectation other than I always knew along the way that education would help. Um, I'd always plan. I have a, a um, an EDD, not a PhD. Just wanted to correct that. Um, Thank you. I always knew that education was important uh, and would it, it, it could never hurt you. Um, my, my goal was to one day get my doctorate because I don't believe in retirement. I always wanted to be active, you know. Um, and my goal was to at one point uh, teach. And I had some experience teaching uh, in the public schools in Chicago at the grammar school level, and it was very frustrating. Um, so I said I didn't want to do that again, but I still do want to teach uh, at some point in my life. So I thought it best to do it at the collegiate level. And the best way to make sure that happens is to get a doctorate. So that was the goal, not necessarily to work in sport management. I just sort of fell into that. Uh, but I did have this belief that I wanted to – um, teach at the collegiate level at some point in my life. Very good. So I think we're, we're pretty much up to speed with where you are now as the director of athletics at Baltimore City Community College. What is your day like here? Uh, I think Baltimore City Community College has one team right now that they're actively playing. Mm -hmm. what, what's your day look like? Are you actively looking to add teams? And what team do you have now? Yeah, men's basketball is the team that's actively playing. We tried to start both men and women's basketball over again this, this uh, fall. Uh, we weren't successful. We lost our coach um, the first week of school. And unfortunately, we didn't have enough women to m make the team. So um, we had a number of tryouts. We just couldn't find enough women who were already here on campus who were interested in playing. So we're going to have to pick that up again in the fall uh, of next year. Um, cross country, men and women will uh, also come back. But I'm looking to add a new sport, and that would be 
or I should say return. It, it was here about seven years ago, women's volleyball. So right now I'm planning to uh, bring that sport back. I've uh, gone out to some high schools in the area to make sure that there's a pipeline available. I've talked to some of the high school athletic directors to get an idea what the numbers are like in terms of the, the girls who play here in the city, uh, just to make sure that it's, it's doable. Um, so that is the goal, to bring in women's volleyball in the fall. And then um, from there, um, hopefully move into uh, starting men and women's uh, soccer. But that's going to be a little more difficult because we don't have a field and I'd have to make arrangements or have some agreements with uh, either the city or a couple of the schools in the area. So so numbers-wise, to field a, a women's basketball team, you need five on the court. And if you only had five, that would be a pretty rough game for those ladies. That would not be smart. <laughs> no. um, 12? Injuries. 12, would you say? Um, a, a good team, at least 15. 15? Yeah. Ideally, you'd want at least 15 to 20. Uh, student. That's even... That's men or women. It doesn't matter. But uh, just because of the, the wear and tear. Right. Um, college basketball is uh, quick. It's very fast. Uh, it's intense. And you want to be able to rotate, um, you know, the student athletes in and out. You, you don't want five playing into the entire game nonstop. That's not smart. Then you need coaches. You said you lost your coach. Would I, in, uh, I know there's a bunch of compliance rules about coaches. So you need a head coach. You probably need an assistant coach. And I'm guessing maybe a third person, some kind of recruiting person. What kind of coaching Well, that would staff? be ideal. Uh, at this level, you don't always have the luxury of having a recruiting person. That's usually the head coach's uh, responsibility at this level. You move into four-year schools at the D- Division One level, some Division Two. you'll see a person who's dedicated to recruiting uh, on the coaching staff. But generally at this level, um, it's the head coach who does the recruiting, uh, along with, you know, you'll have an assistant sometimes, but not always either. It's not always a, a given at this level. And there's, uh, a, there's a handful of volunteer assistants that usually yeah. out there too, so yeah. that, that happens as well. Yeah, you definitely get a lot of people who want to get into the ranks, so they volunteer. Baltimore City Community College is a JUCO school, mm-hmm. so I'm trying to remember, is it like a section? What, is it 20? What what, uh, what grouping is Baltimore City Community College, and who do you play against? Well, we're members of the National Junior Collegiate Athletic Association, the Got NJCAA. It. Got it. Um, which is all the junior colleges, well, not all of them, the majority of the junior colleges in the country that have an athletic program are members of that organization. And the organization breaks the country into regions. We're a part of Region 20. Got it. Region. That was the word I was looking yeah. for. Thank you. We're Region 20. And you got a game tonight. So we're recording this on a Thursday in, in mid-January. Mm-hmm. Uh, this won't be released until Monday. But you got a game tonight against Monroe College. I think they're from New York. And it's a yes. home game. You're, you're going to play on campus. Yes. Uh, Monroe College. Yes. So, but I guess when you do travel, and that's for the men's basketball team, mm-hmm. but when you do travel, I guess you could go to New York to play the game there as well. Uh, in years past, the team has gone as far away as Florida uh, to play um, other schools. Um, the teams in the past have also qualified for the national championships, which are generally held in uh, Kansas, uh, Hutchinson, Kansas. They call it Hutch. Um so it's not unusual for even a junior college team to travel outside of their region. Right. And two questions. Do you tra- would you travel to Kansas for the championship? And the follow-up question to that is, if you don't go to Kansas, if they had it in, say, Hawaii, would you go to that one? 
Uh, you mean as the athletic director? What sure, I yeah, why not? As part of the team. Um, if they qualified for the Nationals, yeah, I would go. Whether it was in Kansas or Hawaii, correct? If it was on the moon, <laughs> I would probably go, yeah. Very good. So, again, I want to thank you for taking the time to, to talk to me. I really appreciate this. I know you're a busy guy. I tend to end with advice, and you and I talked about this before the show to hopefully give you a second to think about it. And when I say advice, it doesn't have to be as the director of athletics. It could be just as, you know, Daryl Pope, the guy that was in high school once playing tennis and thought about going to college. If there was an eighth grader, a ninth grader, an 11th grader that's either playing in school or thinking about playing in the school and playing at the next level, is there anything you would tell them? Is there anything they could focus on? Is there anything you see on a day-to-day basis that, you know, if this kid worked on this or their parents did this, it might have made their athletic, their, you know, student athletic journey a little easier? Well, if the um, advice is for the student, I would say to them, concentrate on your books just as much as you do the ball. And the reason for that is there's a couple. One, the rules are now designed to make sure that you are a student first. So if you're not making grades and and making making progress towards a degree once you get to college – you're not allowed to play. Um, and every year, you, you every semester, you hear about athletes who are no longer on the team because they didn't make the grade. They didn't pass their classes. So that's one reason. <clears throat> Two, my experience growing up, I learned that when you concentrate on your books to the point where you're not worried about passing classes, that frees your mind up and allows you to play better when you get on the court because you're not worried about passing that test or passing that class. It allows you to really dedicate yourself to that moment that you're on the court competing against that other person. So for that reason, if no, if for no other reason, it's, it's a good reason to concentrate on your books first because it, then it allows you to really give your all when, you, when you're competing on the court. So for those two reasons, you need to really concentrate on being a student first, then a student athlete. Um, coaches will recruit student athletes who they know will pass classes because the last thing that you want, particularly if it's, let's say, a a team sport like football or basketball, the last thing you want is for someone to be on the team who becomes a starter, who's really good, who is making a difference in terms of you winning, all of a sudden not be on the team the second half of the season because they didn't pass their classes in the fall semester. That disrupts the teams that your team in so many ways that coaches won't take that chance. If they think that you're going to be a one and done person because you're not serious about books, they won't even try to recruit you. They'll leave you alone and go to the next person because at least that next person they know will be there the entire semester and over four years in college. So don't put yourself in that situation where a coach will pass you by because you're not serious enough about your books. It is crucial to have someone who you know can be trained and coached and someone who you know can be trained and coached the entire season. Dr. Pope, that's good advice. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the AC Sports Report. As you know, there's a massive scene of youth sports in the DMV, and it's our passion to cover it all. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and review.
and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.alstoncarlisle.com. Till next time, this has been the AC Sports Report.